Welcome to the Partners of Promise podcast with Pastor Dorsey. We are so excited that you've decided to tune in and listen to another amazing teaching that is sure to help you win in life. Don't forget to visit PastorDorsey.com to financially support the growth of this podcast and the spreading of the gospel. Now let's get into today's teaching. Hey, again, thank you for all being here as we celebrate this wonderful service and celebrating the birth of our Christ our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Father, we come in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the word of God that it will go forth today unhindered, unchecked by any outside opposing forces. We thank you that the greater one lives within us, that you'll speak through our hearts and minds, bring clarity, understanding, wisdom, knowledge from your word to the hearts and lives of your people. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're ever present, that you're always with us, and you'll give us ears to hear what the Lord will want us to hear for the church today. We thank you in advance. We thank you for healing, deliverance. We thank you for those testimonies that have gone forth in the words. Amen. Will not return void. Thank you for healing your people. Thank you for loving your people. Thank you for strengthening your people today by your word. We thank you for your grace, Father, in Jesus' name, that we're one mind and one accord, and let the church say amen and amen. Okay, let's get to the word of God today. We're talking about the meaning of Christmas, and of course, you've heard these scriptures before. You're familiar with these scriptures, but we want to go over them again uh, because it's uh, a wonderful time to be reminded. Paul says, I disturb by way of remembrance. So sometimes you share things so we can remember the true meaning. And again, we believe in celebrating Christmas. We believe in all the things that come along with it. And of course, it's the beauty of it. So, you know, some people are against trees, but how I many know God made the trees in the forest? All right, so if he made trees in the forest, and of course, they have these flock trees you see in the stores and different places and we have trees here uh but how many know we've never worshiped a tree (laughs) i don't intend on worshiping a tree my kids have never worshiped trees we don't worship trees amen but we celebrate the beauty of god so a tree is not christmas and Christmas is not just a tree, okay? So the celebration is about the love of God, and it's about what he gave to us. But these things are just what we use as decorations. You know, the Bible says his streets are paved with solid gold. So God is all about beautifying and embellishing his glory, okay? He wants extravagance. He's an extravagant God, you know? And sometimes we think about abundance on the earth. We talk about people who are rich or abundantly supplied. You look at their houses, their cars, you know, the extravagance that they have, but it's nothing compared to the glory of God, okay? So these things are to be enjoyed. So you should enjoy the tree, the gifts, the present, exchanging of gifts, and of course, uh, we talk about the wise men who came to see Jesus and so forth. So we celebrate the giving, but it's ba- everybody says it's based in love. It's based in love. See, that's the premise uh, that, and of course, let's start there. John three sixteen, as we get to the scripture today, which is the meaning of Christmas. And uh, my wife shared it earlier, but really, uh, it's about the love and the power of God. And you know the scripture by heart, but we're going to read it again because this is the true meaning of Christmas. Uh, regardless of the gifts of what you receive, it's really everybody says it's about the love of Jesus. All right, and that's what we celebrate. So uh, the Bible says, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His what. Only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So remember, when God gave his Son, uh, it was because he loved us. Okay? So love is the motivation for giving. It's not just what you can, you know, uh, try to get on your own, but it's really about loving and sharing with others. So he gave his Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Look at verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him, uh, in other words, but the world through him might be what? Saved. So he doesn't condemn, love doesn't condemn. So it's really about lifting up, drawing people to him. So this is the plan and purpose of God. This is why Jesus came. Go to Luke 19.10. And we're a Bible teaching church, and we'll go through quite a few scriptures. And if you don't keep up, you can get the CD uh, next couple of days. But I just want you to look at the scripture. So when you open the gifts, when you sit down with your family, and even if you don't have any gifts, it's still, the, you have the greatest gift. Uh, we did a billboard going into the city on the right-hand side. How many see the billboard? Okay. On the right-hand side. Uh, and, you know, because everybody stops there during rush hour. So they look to the right and they see this sign. It says, you, I forgot. In other words, God gave you this gift, his only son or something. But it was saying, you already have the best gift. Okay, or the gift that God gave was his son. I think we said free gift. Okay, so it's the free gift was his son. So you actually have the best of both worlds, which is the God's son giving to us in this life. And then, of course, he gives us eternal life. But look, look at uh, Luke 19, 10. And this is the purpose and the meaning of Christmas uh, for the son of man. And I want you to look at this term. Now, the Bible says he gave his only begotten son. How many know Jesus is the son of God? 
All right. When he came to the earth, he still had that title, the son of God. But when he put on a body, he became the son of man. Right. So this is important. So when we talk about how Jesus was, how he grew up, you know, he put on a body, he put on flesh and blood. He had to go to church like us. He had to pray like us. He had to live like us. So it, that son of God title, when he put on flesh, he had to put that to the side. He still was the son of God in person, but to walk in a body, he had to live like us and be like us. So he was the exemplification of what it is to be a Christian. You know, and that's where the term comes from, little Christ, you know, being Christ-like. But I, this title, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost, tells us that he walked in a body like us. He was tempted like us. He got tired like us. He slept like us. Remember, he was on the boat. The Bible says he was asleep on the pillow. Well, he, God doesn't sleep. The Bible says God neither what? Sleeps nor slumber. So he couldn't have been walking in the power of the Son of God because God never gets tired. How many know God never sleeps? Was Jesus sleeping? Why? Because he was the son of man. He wasn't walking in that title, the son of God. So he didn't do what he did because he was the son of God. He did what he did because he got filled with the spirit. He put the word in him and he began to grow. Go to Luke 2.52 real fast. Let me just show you this. So sometimes we think, you know, the way Jesus said we can never live like that. That's a lie. He lived like that so we can learn how to live like that. He was on the earth for three and a half years. If he came to give his life, how I many know he could have came, born in the world, he could have died on the cross, went to heaven the next day, and fulfilled the mission. It was more than just dying. He needed to show us how to live in the earth and how to live in a victorious way. Under all the assaults, under all the issues and things that he dealt with, we deal with, and he still overcame. So Luke 2.52 says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with what? God and who? All right. So does God increase? No, 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 no. Slow down, say slow down. <laughs> God doesn't increase. Who was increasing in the scripture? Everybody say the son of man. Okay. So if he was perfect, why would he have to increase? He wasn't born perfect. He was born innocent. He was born just like Adam, so he had the opportunity to please God and, of course, to overcome everything. If you're perfect, you don't have to deal with test trials and temptations. Amen. The Bible says in Hebrews, he was tempted in all points. Somebody say hallelujah. How many know God can't be tempted? Amen. Read the book of James, chapter 1. God cannot be tempted. Amen. Neither tempted he any man. Right? So who was tempted? Jesus was. Why was Jesus tempted? Because he was a man. He was the son. He, the moment you put on this body, you're going to be tempted. The moment you step in the earth, guess what? The war is on. The battle is on. You're going to be tempted, tested, and tried. Because the Bible says, you know, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But the reason I'm showing you this is that Jesus grew. And I want you to understand, he was not born perfect. He was born sinless. Right. But he had to grow into what God wanted him to become to fulfill his assignment, to fulfill his mission. And by the way, he never sinned. So he, I mean, no, he passed the test. The first Adam fell in the garden. The last Adam was Jesus Christ. And of course, he fulfilled the mission. And that's why he saved the world. But look at the title, Luke uh, nineteen ten. It says the son of man. OK, so he walked in this body to please God, to fulfill his mission. And that's why he's our Savior. All right. And the reason is, if he became victorious, how I many know we have the right to become victorious also? All right. So that's what we want to see that. Yes, he was born special. He was anointed, you know, was born sinless. But he had he, Jesus could have sinned. Somebody say hallelujah. Jesus could have cursed. Amen. He, he was tempted at all points. So, but my point I want you to see is he grew in wisdom and the stature of faith with God. So he overcame because he did what he told us to do. Now let's go to Matthew 3 and let's look at this as well. Everybody say Jesus is the reason for the season. Alright, so I want you to learn the greatest gift he gave us was his son. But his son had to walk in the same plan he's asking us to walk in. Jesus went to church, so he asked you to come to church. Jesus had to pray, so you need to pray. Jesus had to read the word, you got to read the word. Remember, he was in flesh. He wasn't full of God. He wasn't walking around with a halo over his head. 
He got tired. He got hungry. Amen. He walked in this body. Amen. When he was on the cross, he felt the pain. They pierced him with nails and put a spear in his side. He was bleeding. Crowns on his head. He suffered for us. All right. Now, the beauty is uh, he overcame. And of course, that's why we're born again today. But this is what we begin to see. Uh, Matthew three. Look at Matthew chapter three. And this is the gift God gave us. So this gift is amazing. Uh, it's all encompassing. So it encourages us that if he could live for God, we can live for God. All right. And we just have to do what he's done. Look at uh, Matthew chapter three. And just the last couple of verses. Uh, look at verse number 15. Through 17. And Jesus answering said unto him, suffered to be so now. He's talking about John the Baptist. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus was what? When he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were open unto him. And he saw what? The Spirit of God descending like a dove, sitting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm what? Well pleased. Did Jesus get filled with the Spirit? All right, we need to be filled with the Spirit. All right, he did not. He did not do one miracle until after this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not the water, but the most important thing you see the Scripture. It was the Spirit of God descending and what resting upon the Son of God, the Son of Man, who was God's Son. Okay, but notice if He was God, why would He have to be filled with the Spirit? Don't say Hallelujah. God is already spirit filled. <laughs> but the moment you pull on the body, guess what? Now you need to be filled. Because the Bible says the flesh is weak, but the what? Spirit is willing. And I think my wife quoted earlier, Zechariah, not by might, nor by power, but what? All right. So as Christians in this world, you need the Holy Spirit to rest in you. And of course, when you get born again, he comes and he brings the power, the fruits of the spirit, which are love, joy, peace. Uh, you know, gentleness, goodness, long suffering, faith, meekness, temperance, all nine fruits of those spirits. He comes within you. So everybody say, I have the love of God on the inside. All right. All the fruits are in there. So notice he was filled with spirit. What was he doing? Preparing himself for the assignment that God gave him. Okay. Look at the next verse. Uh, the, the next uh, verse. We'll see uh, the gospel of St. John chapter one, verse 14. And we're talking about the meaning of Christmas. Okay. And the meaning of Christmas is Jesus. You just put it in one word, Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. That's the meaning. You want to know what's under the tree? Everybody say Jesus. You want to know who made the tree? Say Jesus. He made the world a tree so we can celebrate anything he made, but as long as we worship him. Amen. We're celebrating him. The tree just added the icing on the cake, but he's the reason. Somebody say hallelujah. I don't care if you eat neck bones of turkey. This t- <laughs> As long as you got Jesus at the table, you celebrating Christmas. Don't let nobody shame you if you got pork and beans. Amen. You still celebrating Jesus. You know, sometimes we're so spoiled today. Years ago, they used to give people apples and oranges for Christmas. And they were just as happy. Now you got to go buy Nintendos and Xboxes and everything else. And kids still aren't happy. Where's the game? You get, well, how many? I only got one game. <laughs> Games cost $60 each. You know, so, I mean, we ought to be appreciative of where God has brought us from. And sometimes, you know, people are just spoiled. They're not celebrating Jesus. They're celebrating gifts. You know, and so, and again, it's not that, you know, people say, well, you know, it's the thought that counts. But yeah, in a way. <laughs> but don't give me a 10 cent lollipop talking about Merry Christmas. If you love me, show me your love. I want something I can, you, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, with your, your wife or your immediate family. Don't go spending a bunch of money for everybody else if you don't have. Let the church say amen to that. God is, is we're celebrating whose birthday? Jesus' birthday. Not any, unless you were born on December 25th. I mean, other than that. Uh, but don't go spend getting in debt because we can't do financial peace. I mean, no. Our goal is to stay out of debt. All right. Stay out of debt. Save your money. Take care of your kids and your family. Your wife and your kids are your immediate responsibility. Everybody else can wait. Give them some cookies and milk. <laughs> Somebody say, hey, go bake some cookies. Go buy a five-dollar box of dough and turn the oven on. Merry Christmas. Put it in a bag. Amen. God loves you, so do I. <laughs> and remember, if you can't, if they don't know you love you by now, a gift is not gonna change that. <laughs> 
Amen. So, but, you know, those you love, do the best you can. Look at first the Gospel of St. John chapter 1, verse 14. And I remember when we first got married, you know, I was buying gifts for my wife. And, you know, I, I, I spent where I could. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. I started where my faith was. And then, of course, I began to elevate over time. But uh, at the same time, it was the, it was the love behind it. Uh, and I remember one thing I got, it was really beautiful. I went and got this hard, uh, hand-carved wood piece. And they said, Troy and Renee. <laughs> that thing only cost like $4. <laughs> but it had a heart shape. I still got that thing today. That was one of the best gifts I ever bought. <laughs> a little $4 gift. All those other thousand dollars in gifts. I mean, they didn't have the same meaning. See, it's the, it's the heart behind it. You know, it's not how much money you spend, because people, you can spend money on hope they still don't appreciate it. Yeah, and they don't tell you, they're going to take it back to the store anyway, so I said, you might as well save some of that money and enjoy it yourself, amen. So, but it was the meaning of it, it was the love. So that's what you want to add to your gift. Everybody say, add love to your gift. All right, so look at First John, the Gospel of St. John, I'm sorry. Uh, chapter 1 verse 14 and then again we're talking about Jesus is the reason the meaning of Christmas he says and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the father full of what grace and truth okay so notice what he says the word was what made flesh or the word put on flesh or Jesus put on flesh and that's what he's saying. So the moment he put on flesh, he had to be filled with the spirit. He had to get in the word. That's why he was in the synagogue studying with doctors and lawyers. He had to be in church. And notice he didn't start preaching until he was 30 some years old. They grew, he grew in the, the Old Testament since he was young. So he studied for about 30 years before he started his ministry. So he didn't just jump out there. I'm called. I'm anointed. All right. Go to Luke 4. Let me show you this real fast and we'll begin to see it. Uh, but he wants to teach us the principle and the plan of God. So this is what we want to see today. This is the reason and the meaning of Christmas. So thank God for all the gifts and everything else. But we want to know that Jesus is the reason. Amen. And because of him, we're able to get the gifts and the trees. And if you can't, you still got him. You're born of the spirit. Amen. If you can't do anything, just sit around and, and worship Jesus on Christmas. Say happy birthday, Lord. Thank you for being born. Thank you that you came and died for me. You gave me the best gift. Because if it had not been for the Lord, most of us wouldn't be in church this morning. Amen. Amen. You still be st- you still be staggering from the club from last night. <laughs> Probably waking up somewhere, don't know where you are. Amen. But the Lord put you uh, in the right place, saved you, gave you peace of mind. I mean, all these people in the world, they're troubled this morning. Not everybody's happy about Jesus' birthday, but we are. Hallelujah. Because he saved us. I'm glad to be saved. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't thank God for what's under the tree, but I'm glad to be saved. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. That's the greatest gift. You got it. So you don't get what you want. You got the best gift. And if you think about it, everything else pales in comparison to the love of God in your life. God, everybody say, God loves me. So you got to remember. So no matter what's going on, he loves you. He's got your back. He's going to protect you, keep you, guard you. He's going to take care of your kids, whether they're good or bad. He loves you and your family. Amen. And he's going to save your house. Come on, say God's going to save my house. Yeah, he's going to save your house. So don't be upset all night long, losing your sleep. Go to sleep and let the Lord watch over. The Bible says he gives gives his beloved sweet sleep. Not just sleep, sweet sleep. I got to write the dream when I'm sleeping. Amen. <laughs> I in those deep ram cycles. Amen. Because I'm not concerned. I'm not worried. He said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. This is John 16, 33. I have overcome the world, right? So, how many of we got the victory in Christ? All right? So, don't lose your sleep over anything. Amen. The Lord is staying up. Let him take care of it. Praise to God. Lock your doors. Hit your lungs. Go on to sleep. Dispatch the angels. Watch over your house. Go on to sleep. Amen. Luke 4, 16. I just go right to 18. Luke 4, 18. Amen. Rest in the Lord. He said an arrow will fly by day, arrow by night, but it won't come down your house. 10,000 on, on the left, 10,000 on the right, but it won't come down me. He encamps his angels round about the believers. So when I go over the highways and byways, when I fly on planes and trains, I got angels surrounding me. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. 
No weapon. I think Brother <laughs> Drone, Elder Drone quoted, no weapon formed against you is going to what? Go prosper. Amen. You got the best gift. Luke 4, 18. Here's what Jesus said. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has what? Anointing. That's enough right there. And he goes on, talks about what he was anointed to do. But how many of God is not anointed. The anointing is for the earth. The anointing is what? Break yokes. Right? I remember Isaiah. It says 1027. The yoke shall be destroyed because of what? The, so the anointing is only for the earth. But guess what? Jesus had to be anointed because he came in the earth. The moment he put on the body, he needs the anointing to break yokes. He wasn't just breaking. Now, if he was a son of God, he wouldn't need to be anointed. In other words, he had the title. But the moment he put on that body, he had to put on the spirit. Because he was in the war zone. How many ever seen somebody go in the war zone without uniforms and military equipment? No gun, no. When you go to battle, how I many they give you a backpack? They give you a gun? Brothers in the military, brother, do they give you a gun when you go to the military? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> they, they got them strapped down, equipped. Amen. Everything they need. Why? They're going to war. So when you come in the earth, the battle's on. So don't ever think you can just take it easy and take off your armor. Somebody say hallelujah. And that's how, you know, again, uh, sometimes not aware, but you're supposed to put on the whole armor every day of your life. You're supposed to sleep with the armor, walk with the armor, talk with the armor, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's your divine protection. That's your shield of faith all around you. Amen. So Jesus was anointed. So we begin to see that he understood that the moment he came to the earth as a son of man, he had to be equipped, okay, to fulfill his assignment. Now let's look at the, the word of God and the prophecies that support the son of God. You know, of course, Jesus Christ, the savior of the world. Look at Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. So when we talk about the meaning of Christmas, we understand the true meaning, which is the love of God. God gave his only begotten son. He became the son of man. And of course, he died. He rose again so we can have eternal life. OK, now all we have to do is receive the gift God gave us. You don't have to work yourself to uh, work your salvation. You just have to receive it and then walk in the plan and purpose of God. Okay? So Isaiah 9, 6 is the Old Testament. And if you don't have a, a Bible, you can follow along. This is from the King James, New King James Version. It said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a... Now, this, everybody say this is prophecy. In other words, this is foretold generation before it came to pass, okay? So, God was speaking to his people in the earth about what was going to take place generations later, okay? And I want you to know how accurate God's word is, okay? He knows the future before you do. Now, you don't need to go to these crazy fortune tellers who are demon-possessed. You don't need to read the weekly horoscope, which is demon possessed. Yeah. It's not natural knowledge. It's, it's demonic influence uh, and it's evil knowledge. So they get you hooked. So you start following them instead of following God. The devil does not know your future. If the devil knew your future, he wouldn't have killed Jesus on the cross. Because he would have known, my goodness, he exploded a bomb that is going on for generations to come. Amen. Because not only did he die and rose again, now we got eternal life. Amen. So they would have left Jesus on and just let him die. <laughs> but no, they didn't know the view. The Bible says, had the prince of the world known, they would not have crucified. So I, remember, you got to understand the importance about how good God is and how big God is. The devil is not on God's level. So some people say God is the devil. No, it's not God in the devil. God is God all by himself. Right? All by himself. The angels are below God. How many of God made the angels? All right. The devil is a fallen angel. So he's below the angels because he fell. He got, in other words, not just fell. He was kicked in his behind. So we use that term fell. He wasn't just fell. He was kicked out of heaven. And I mean, a big foot kicked him out of heaven. That was God's foot. Eh? <laughs> uh, so when you talk about the devil, what he has, now he has some influence, but his influence is to give you suggestions, ideas, and bring temptation to you. Right? He can't control a saint. He abuses his own children. Like when we were in sin, he kicked us around because we were in his family then. 
but we've been redeemed from that curse. And the Bible says he's translated us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, praise God. We're in God's family, so we're no longer going to be abused by the devil. Right? So he can't touch God's children. He doesn't have a right. So when he attacks you, you tell the devil to take your hands off. This is God's problem. No, tr- everybody say no trespass. Yeah, when he touches you, he's trespassing. When he touches anything that belongs to you, he's trust, And you have a right to evict him from your property. Somebody say hallelujah. So he's a fallen angel. So when we talk about God's uh, creation, he's not next to God. And if you hear people, they were growing up, it was like God was, you know, God and the devil. The devil's just as big as God. No, he's not. The devil is an imp. He's a fallen angel, and he's under the body of Christ, which is under our feet. All right? And the Bible says we're in Christ. He's under the body of Christ, so we have authority. And remember Jesus said in Luke 10, 17, I'll give you power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means what? Hurt you, okay? So we're not in that family where we'd be affected, but I'm just showing you. So when we deal with God and his creation, God has all wisdom, all knowledge, so the devil doesn't know anything except what's told to him. He does not have revelation knowledge. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, you know, that's something we He knows what I'm thinking. The devil doesn't know what you're thinking. There's only one verse that says, who knows what you're thinking? And that's God. David said, he knows my thoughts are far off. So before I think it, God knows what I'm thinking. He doesn't condemn me when I'm thinking. Because sometimes everything I'm thinking may not be in line with his word. Somebody say hallelujah. But he knows the heart. So he's looking at the heart because the Bible says, what the heart man believes. So I live by the faith of God, the faith of the Son of God, because that's the faith God gave me. So, and then I renew my mind so my thoughts begin to line up with God's word and I live in peace. And that's why the Bible says, Isaiah 26, 3, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is what? All right. So that's why I keep peace. So the reason I'm sharing this is so you understand God knows everything, not the devil. God is everywhere at all times, not the devil. God has all power forevermore, not the devil. Someone say hallelujah. The devil can't be here and in China too. But God can. Come on. He's limited to a body. But God has a Holy Spirit. That covers the earth. When you look at the beginning of creation, the Bible says the Holy Spirit was hovering over the earth. Not the devil, but the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the whole earth. And all God said is, let there be light and light start going. Why? Because he was all present in all places. The word is omnipresent. Omniscient, all-knowing. Omnipotent, all power. God has these things. So when we're talking about God and his creation, we can rest at peace. He's on the throne. Glory to God. And just one more note. Now, as a result, because he's given us a free will, God is not running the earth. Somebody say hallelujah. Yeah. He's not running this earth. Right. He runs heaven and he runs the church. His family are believers. No different than you telling somebody else's family what to do. Somebody say hallelujah. You run your own family. God's running his family. When Adam fell, he gave the car keys to the devil. The devil ran it off a cliff. And we've been working on the car ever since trying to get it running again. Amen. So that's that's what's going on. The earth is in the car and the mechanic shop trying to get fixed. So every time somebody gets saved, we get a little bit healthier and whole and, and you know the car's coming back. But don't worry, because there's a new car that has been ordered, and the Bible says, John said, I behold saw a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there's a new car on order. We're in dwell of righteousness. Amen. Alright, so when we talk about, go to Isaiah 9-6, God's omniscience, God's omnipotence, and God's power, glory, everywhere, all times, omnipresence. Only God has this power. So we talk about his son. You got to understand, he gave us the best. All right. So look at Isaiah 9, 6. He says here, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called what? Okay. So what did God give you? Somebody who was what? All right. So somebody said, he's a wonderful Jesus. (laughs) 
Everything here is about, it describes Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love it. Amen. All right. It says, uh, the government will be upon his shoulder, his authority. It says, his name shall be called Wonderful. So he's a wonderful Jesus. He's a counseling Jesus. He's a mighty God. Amen. Jesus. He's the everlasting Father Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace Jesus. So I mean, Jesus is all this. My mic, keep my mic on. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay. So I mean, Jesus is all that in the bag of chips. All that in the bag of chips. Amen. He's more than enough. So as long as you have Jesus in this world, don't you ever get ashamed. Don't let anybody make you feel smaller than who you are. I'm a child of God. You don't know who I am. You don't know who loves me. Somebody say hallelujah. So you got to believe the love he gave you. And this is why Jesus walked around with authority because he knew the father loved him. And he said it. He said, I know that you love me. Go to John 17. We're almost done. (laughs) Amen. I want you to know the love he gave you. Amen. What's under the tree is his love for you. Oh, I'm sorry, not under the tree. What was on the tree? Amen. He died on the tree for you. Amen. And his love is everlasting. Amen. Actually, go to 1 John 4 16. 1 John 4 16 first. We'll come back to John 17. And we're almost done. I want you to know God loves you. So the greatest gift you have is the love of God. Amen. God loves you. First John chapter 4, verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. So how many know God loves us? All right, look at the next three letters. God is what? Love. What is God? Love. What is God? Love. What do you have? Love. All right, you don't have hate. Amen. Amen. You don't have unforgiveness. Amen. You don't have racism or bitterness in you. Amen. That, see, if you got that in you, some, the devil put that in you. Through your ignorant pants. Remember, the devil acts not. He's a God of ignorance, so he masters in the flesh. He doesn't have any love in it. So he gives out hate, division, separation, classism, racism, sexism, poverty, sickness, disease, depression, uh, you know, uh, being hooked on everything else under the sun. Amen. So, but when God is love, when you know, everybody say God is love. Then I know he wants me free. Yes. Harry Tubman, uh, one of the, the great uh, deliverers in our uh, time, and you know, the deliverer for her people. Uh, she was a Christian. Yes. And she couldn't read, couldn't write, uh, very legend, you know, a lot at that time. But she was born in slavery down in Maryland. As a matter of fact, they have an exhibit down there. I went and visited a couple months ago. Beautiful thing, brand new facility built. And they, we went on the trail where she went. They went to a little house where she was born and so forth. Just, just love her history and uh, what she did. And you, she said, I knew God wanted me free because he put a star in the sky. Now, she couldn't read or write. But she said, one day I looked up and saw the star in the sky. And I knew he wanted me free. We should get a revelation of God made this world. Now, he made this world. It's no way he wants many shackles and bondage. It's no way he can make all these beautiful things and then put me in a poverty-stricken condition. That's not the will of God. That was the will of man. God didn't put people in slavery. The devil did. And what did the devil use? People who was in control. It wasn't God. And, and they mis- manipulated scriptures and everything else. But my point is, when we look at the scripture, everybody say, God is love. It'll t- keep you away from the, the natural-minded, carnal uh, thinking of hating folk. God is love, which means you have love in you. Stay in love. Everybody say, stay in love. Don't let the news get you in hate. Don't let stuff get you in bitterness. Don't start hating folk you don't even know and never met. <laughs> Before you meet them, I hate them. I heard about on news what they said. Don't go with that. You don't even know. And by the way, you're a Christian. Where's your love at? On the everybody says on the inside. But you gotta walk in that love. Alright? So when people do you wrong, don't get upset. Everybody said, forgive your enemies. Right, that's the Christian way. So this is the gift we receive. We receive the gift of love so we can share the love. Alright, share the love. I, that was my song I told you about. I forgot the, the group that sung that. Where is no, where is the love? Where is the love? Where's the love? 
whoever sung that song, I like that song. Say, where is the love? Talking about getting along, peace, and all that anyway. That's where the love. Ah, <laughs> oh, glory to God. <laughs> all right, First John four sixteen, and we know that God is love, and that He is love is love, love with God and God in Him. All right, so that's that's the love we have. Go to John seventeen. The Gospel of Saint John, and we're almost done. John 17, and look at verse number 21. It says, this is Jesus praying the priestly prayer, and it's the prayer he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. And he says, that they may all be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast what? Sent me. Okay, verse 22. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Verse 23. I am them, thou and me, that they may be perfect or mature in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and has what? Love them as thou hast what? All right. So God loves you like he loves Jesus. That You got to get a revelation of that. Did God ever let Jesus down? Did God ever forsake Jesus? Never, okay? Even when he's on the cross, remember for that one moment, because sin was laid on him for the world, God, again, he, 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 because of the sin, he, he just for a moment turned until he died, and then of course he rose from the grave, uh, but because sin was laid on him, the sin of the world, God at that moment, you know, because he's a God of love and a God of judgment, so at that moment, he had to let him die and then raise him again, because here's what Jesus said, he says, this commandment have I received from my father, that I have power to lay my life down, and to do what? Pick it up again, okay? He said, so before he left heaven, the father told him, you have power to lay your life down, and in three days, you're going to pick it up again. And that's why Jesus was quoting Jonah, as Jonah was in the belly of the well, great fish, three days and three nights, the son of man is going to be. So before he died, he knew how long he was going to be in the earth. He knew how long he was going to be resurrected, and back to his father with love and grace after being 40 days on the earth, convincing the apostles to take the gospel to the world. But he knew he was going to go back to his father. So he's praying for us. And remember when he went away, he says, when I leave, I'm going to give you another comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. So he didn't leave us comfortless. How many know you have a comforter today called the Holy Spirit? So he says that you love them as you love me. Look at verse 24. I love this. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory. Now notice what Jesus is talking about. Which thou hast given me. For thou loved me before what? Okay. So if he loved Jesus before the foundation of the world. How many know he loved you before the foundation of the world? Amen. Jeremiah said before you were in your mother's womb. I knew you and I what? Called you. Okay. So we were chosen before our parents ever knew each other. We were born in the love of God. Okay. So look at the next verse. Isaiah said. This was about Jesus. The government will be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called, everybody say, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All right, go to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And let's close this out in a couple of verses. A couple more scriptures, but we'll get there. Oh, I'm making good time. Amen. This is the most important message we need to share with the world, the love of God. And for you to walk around this holiday season encouraging other people. This is one, you know, again, as Christians, we have the love of God. We love each other. But you got to understand people who don't know God. This is some of the most depressing times of their life. You know, it's the highest time of the year people commit suicide. It's hard to believe. So, but that shows you the devil putting pressure on sinners and they don't know how to turn to God. Right. So our goal is not only to celebrate Jesus, but also to help others. Amen. Remember, he came to seek and save that which is lost. So when you're running through the stores and stuff, people are on edge. They don't know Jesus. You know, so if they cut you off, forgive them. They get in front of you in the line. You've been waiting there 20 minutes. Forgive them. <laughs> don't, don't hate them. Just forgive them and, and just start praying in the Holy Spirit. And say, I know why God let you get in front of me so I can tell you about Jesus. 
because you needed to be saved. <laughs> Amen. Somebody say hallelujah. It's not by accident. God wants you to witness to him. Don't just focus on the sales and the coupons. Look for some souls. Come on, saints. Hallelujah. While you drink, drinking your coffee, your latte, <laughs> testify. In Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or wherever you frequent. Cheesecake factory. Amen. Witness to him. Somebody say hallelujah. This is the greatest season of our lives. And we're the only ones that have good news. We know the real meaning of Christmas. So we are able to influence others. So here's what Micah chapter 5 verse 2. It's the Old Testament. Use your table contents if you can't find it. But I'm going to read it. Okay. It says, but thou Bethlehem Ephrata. This is a prophecy generations before. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah. Yet out of thee shall come forth unto me. That is a ruler in Israel. Whose goings forth have been from of old from everlasting. So notice we, this is the birth of Christ. It's going to be everybody saying in Bethlehem. Thousands of years before they prophesied he's going to be born where? In Bethlehem. Okay. So I'm showing you how God through generations. through, And we're about to see angels working. This, this is God's plan. This is a master plan. This is not just something he thought of overnight. This was planned before the foundation of the world. Before Adam ever sinned, God had this plan. <laughs> He's the all wise God, okay? So let me show you one more, okay? So this he begins to say where he was born. Go to uh, the next one now. We begin to see this. Uh, Matthew. Go to Matthew. No, I'm sorry. Let me start. Go to St. John chapter. Uh, let me see. Where do I want to start? Let me start at Luke 1. Luke 1. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. I'm trying to go in some type of order for you, but a couple more verses. And of course, these are the stories you know. Yeah, let me go to Luke 1. This is 26. And this is great for kids. You should read this to them on Christmas Day so they understand the meaning of Christmas. And when kids grow up, sometimes they're not being taught about Jesus. So you got to put Jesus in them, especially if they're in a, a certain school system that does not honor God. Yeah. Your job as a parent is not to let the school educate them. You're responsible for their education. Amen. So don't ever turn your education of your children over to a system. Amen. Somebody say hallelujah. God, and just so you know, God never wanted the devil to educate his kids. Why would I send my kids to school and learn about homosexuality? Don't know how to pray. Don't want to talk about God. Can't pray for them. Somebody say how they do. This is the day we live in it. Now, when you went to school, it may have been a little different. I mean, we did Pledge of Allegiance and we could say our grace, but not today. In certain areas, they don't let you pray. They, they come against Bible studies. Right? And of course, we pay tax dollars for these public schools as well, uh, the system, uh, but they don't want God in some of them. Not all of them, some of them don't want God. Okay, so it's only the, the grace of the teachers that have God in them that are going to help the kids. So that's why you got to pray for the teachers and the staff, the principals. They're, they're dealing with heathens. Because they get to educate everybody. They don't get to pick and choose. Somebody say hallelujah. So if you got any sense, and I know you do, and if you have a little dot, a couple dollars in your pocket, find the best school for your kids. Everybody say the best school. The best school for your kids, okay? Don't just throw them somewhere that's free. Free caution. Because it's free now, it doesn't mean it's going to be free later. What are they putting in the minds of your children? Somebody say hallelujah. You know, and you got to believe God to get in a better environment so your kids can be uh, in a better environment to be the best they can be. Kids learn behavior by being around others. So the, the things they're learning is not just what you're teaching. They're in school eight hours a day, eight to ten hours a day, after school activities, so on and so forth, sports, 12 hours a day. And they come home, eat dinner with you for two hours, maybe one hour, do homework for three hours and go to bed for six. So how much are you really influencing your kids? Right. So my point is, you got to get them in a, a better environment so they don't lose who they are. Isn't that why Jesus came? He didn't just come for you to go to heaven. He came to put your kids in a better environment. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. 
So in the Bible, Christians, <laughs> God never sent his kids to a demonic system to be educated. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Because God's got wisdom beyond what they can even ever think of. Now we use what we can, but I want you to have faith for your kids in the future. So you send them to the best schools. Somebody say hallelujah. Luke chapter 1, look at verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was what? Mary. Okay. Why did he have to be born of a virgin? So he wouldn't have a tainted or sinful seed from Joseph. Okay. Remember, he was born sinless. So he had to be, the Holy Spirit had to put seed in a virgin, somebody who was uh, without sin. In other words, had not had sexual relations with somebody else where the sin was passed upon him, okay? So that's why there's a virgin birth. And this is also why when you talk about other faiths and denominations, uh, and we could just go down the list, pick any of them you want, you want. Uh, but none of them are saviors of the world because they were all born in sin. Muhammad was born in sin. Somebody say hallelujah. So how can he say can't save you, can't save yourself. And again, nothing against him personally. I'm just saying there's only one person that was born of a virgin. In other words, born of a virgin without man's seed. Well, how did it happen? Everybody said the Holy Spirit came upon him. Okay, and all the other religions, you know, the Mormonism. You know, again, some of them, they, they have a little twist of God. But my point is, you got to stick with the Bible. The first thing you need to know, when somebody has other books other than the Holy Scriptures, run. Everybody say, run. <laughs> okay. They start pulling out other books that you never heard, never saw, and they, and they take you away from the Bible. That's the devil. You don't have to be smart. Just know, that's the devil. They call, coming to you, knocking on the door, pulling out other books. Nah, that ain't in the Bible. You're a liar. Amen. Stick with Jesus. Right. So the virgin birth is important. So don't let up people are under, you know, uh, and, and, you know, uh, not take it for value, for the value that it is. This is most important because he had to be born sinless. Okay. And then it says, verse 28, and the angel came unto her, said, Hail Mary, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And she saw him, the angel, she was troubled, saying, what manner of salutation it should be. The angel said, Fear not, Mary, thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name what? Okay, so who is this? What is his name? All right, and he's a son. Verse 32, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And in his kingdom shall there be no end. Then Mary said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be? Saying, I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall do what? Come upon you and the power of the highest shall what? Overshadow you. Therefore, that holy thing which is in thee shall be born of thee shall be called what? All right, so that was the title of the Son of God. He put on the body, became the Son of Man. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, which was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be what? All right, verse 38. And after hearing all this, Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me. Glory to God. According to what? Thy word. So whatever you say, that's what it's going to be. All right. So she carried the womb. She, in her womb, she carried the son of man. She carried the son of God. She didn't have to work. She just had to carry him and deliver him. Joseph didn't touch her. Because it had to be holy. Right? And, and, and this is the key that God gave us his only God. So this is how he was born. And of course, where Jesus came. All right. Go to uh, the next one. Go to Matthew chapter 2. Verse number one. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, where did we prophesy? Micah 5, 2, say he was born in Bethlehem. Matthew 2, 1 says he came from Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, king of king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to where? All right. So it said wise men didn't say how many wise men. Do you see? Do you see three wise men here? So you see those Christmas cards with three wise men? That's a lie. 
<laughs> now, what three men doing walking from India all the way over to Jerusalem? Three men by themselves. If they were wise, they wasn't walking by themselves. <laughs> they were going through the hood. Amen. This was not I-95 with a toll plaza. They, walked, they, they journeyed, okay? They were rich men, and it didn't say three. And this, again, this is these Christmas myths we got, you know, three wise men, because they say that he brought gold, friends. They count three gifts, but that wouldn't mean with three men. And if I'm going to the store, you know, again, a lot of things you, you, you can remember, but they only list things that of a significance. So my point is, it was an entourage. Amen. They traveled in, everybody say caravans. They didn't travel like us coming to church in one car. Two people in one car. <laughs> they, they had a caravan, an entourage. If you, so when they traveled, they would try. It took them years to get to where they were. When they, and they were following the star. All right. So look at this. It says, wise men came from the east saying, where is he that is born king of what? So what was he classified as? King of who? King of the Jews, because they were looking for the Messiah. He was the Messiah, but when he came, they didn't recognize it. It says, for here's what the wise men said. We have seen his star in the east and are come to do what? Worship him. And when Herod, the king, heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests, scribes of the people, he demanded where, look at them, he demanded of them where Christ should be what? Because he was a threat to his kingdom. But Jesus wasn't interested in his kingdom. He had a kingdom of his own. <laughs> that little throne he had was, uh, uh, was nothing compared to the glory of God. All right. So, but he noticed there was a king. See, when he heard king, he heard competition. I'm the king. What other king going to take over? Okay. So now he got upset. Verse five. They said unto him, he's going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written it by the prophet, which is Micah. And in Bethlehem and Judea art thou least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Verse seven. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently, diligently what time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for who? Young child. So here's another thing. So when the wise men came, he wasn't in the manger. <laughs> Somebody say hallelujah. See, as Christians, we need to know the facts. When the wise men came, Jesus wasn't in the manger. And you see a little picture with the wise men around the little manger. <laughs> little baby Jesus. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was gone by then. Let's look, what it, look what it says. It says, diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him also. And when, of course, they heard they departed, the star in the east stood over. Notice what it says. Verse 9. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them. So I'm trying to tell you how to plan it. God is so amazing. These wise men came from another country following a star. The star told them where to go. And when the star stopped, that's where Jesus was. Now, I'm trying to show you. Now, God will give you faith. Do you know why God sent them? Because Jesus needed provision for his assignment in the earth. Do you know they finance his life? Somebody say hallelujah. They needed the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, and all the other accoutrements of society that Jesus needed. He needed to look good, smell good, live good, walk good, dress good, be good. And somebody had to find it. So God had three men. Well, not three men, we know now. And I'm to write, I said, I'm to write. I'm reading, I'm thinking like y'all know. <laughs> See what tradition to do for you, how you <laughs> <laughs> Bring him all these gifts, a caravan. All right, the caravan's coming to Jesus. All right, and notice what he says. They stood over, came and stood over with everybody say young child. All right, so he's not a little baby. Right? Notice verse 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, everybody say house, not manger. So the three wise men came where? To the house. 
Where was Jesus born at? In a manger. Where did they come at? And how? So it couldn't have been when he was born. Somebody say hallelujah. So those little cars, throw them away. <laughs> they just making money. Somebody lied. I mean, it's right here in the scripture, right? It says, they came to the house. All right. They saw the young child. A child is not an infant. An infant can be, you know, considered a toddler or whatever. Uh, but he's not a newborn. Here's a child, which is Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worship him. And when they opened their treasure, they presented out to him. Who did they give the gifts to? Jesus. Who was a what? Everybody say he was a child. Anybody heard of trust funds? All right. This was his trust fund. The moment he was, you know, at this point in his life, he had a trust fund. God reserved in the earth. People were taking care of him and they sent him this caravan. And here are some of the gifts and it's plural, but it was gold, frankincense and myrrh, gifts of significance. But it was a whole lot of other things he added as well. And of course, being warned of God, they went back the other way. And the angel told Joseph, look at verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the what? All right, not the babe in the manger. Take the young child and his mother and go to Africa. Go to Africa, Egypt. Egypt is Africa. Now, you can't get to Africa without money. But God already knew the plan. So he had financed his child ahead of time. So when the devil tried to attack, he wasn't in the country. Jesus was on the run from his life from the day he was born. To save us. See, because he had to get to the cross and die without one cent. So you got to understand this preservation that took place was putting him in the right environment. So that's why God gives you power to get well so you can maintain your family in a proper environment away from all evil, hurt, harm, and danger. Somebody say hallelujah. All right. So he fleed into Africa. He says, be there until I bring the word for Herod will seek the young child to do what? To destroy. So the devil was mad because he couldn't get it. And of course, uh, he came back at a later time. But this is the point we want to see. So the wise men saw a what? Everybody say young child. All right. And of course, that's where he was. Okay. And that's how God was, you know, born in regards to his son, Jesus Christ. So that, that's the part we got to understand in regards to the birth of Christ. And of course, we know he was born in a manger. Of course, where the angels begin to, to see him and all. But what I wanted you to see, uh, go to Luke 2. Now, here's what the shepherds saw. Everybody say the shepherds. And then everybody say the wise men. All right, so we got the, the wise men saw, everybody say they saw the child Jesus. The shepherds saw the baby Jesus. All right, so we got different accounts. So, and a lot of times people pick, put all these things together. So you see these cars, the shepherds are in the back, the wise men are front. That's not the Bible. Amen. You, you need to know the scriptures. Luke 2, look at verse number 1. And we're almost done. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius, the governor of Syria, uh, all went to be taxed, everyone in his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth. And of course, that's where Jesus grew up at. So you see now why he was called Jesus of what? Because that's where his parents were born. That was his home state. That was his turf. You know, that, that's where he grew up because that's where his parents brought him into, back, back at, of course, in the world. So remember, they left Galilee to go pay their taxes. Then they came back to Nazareth, okay? Unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now again, this is another testament, miracle because she was pregnant without being married. And today, you know, even, you know, way back then, but especially today, that's looked down upon. But you got to understand, OK, uh, I don't think the world knew, but she could have been stoned. Because if a woman was found with child without a husband, they called that adultery. And back then, in those days, they killed folk. 
If they were caught, that is, you know. <laughs> uh, but my point is, they didn't kill her because what was in her had to be kept secret. And just so we know, there's only one Mary that was born of a virgin, or the one Mary of the virgin that was espoused with the Holy Ghost. So other folk who get pregnant, that's not the Holy Ghost. It's only one Jesus. Alright, so people say, I'm pregnant, I don't have a husband now, that ain't the Holy Ghost. That scripture's already been fulfilled. <laughs> no, somebody else did that, it wasn't Jesus. It wasn't the Holy Ghost, that was, that was somebody else, Amen. <laughs> Go find the husband. Alright. Uh, so back then that was amazing. So notice verse number six. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Okay, so she's up there paying taxes with her husband, she's full of child, and she's about to get delivered. And she brought forth her first so in Bethlehem is where it happens, and she brought forth her firstborn son. So that tells you Mary is no longer a virgin. Let the church say amen. She was a virgin. Right? She's no longer a virgin because notice what it said, her firstborn. So what does that mean? Must have been a second and a third. How I many know oh, Jesus had brothers and sisters? Alright, so Mary kept kicking out the kids, her and Joseph. <laughs> Joseph didn't wait after Jesus was coming out the crate. Alright, we done. We did the Lord's work. Now let's do our work. Amen. <laughs> let's put God first. Amen. Now let's get to business. I've been waiting long enough. Let's go down this aisle. Let's get this thing on. We now's married. <laughs> we got the holy child Jesus over here. Let's not mess with him. Let's keep him everything he needs. Let's take care of Jesus. Now let's go and have some more kids. All right. So, so she had more kids. And of course, later on, Jesus had brethren. Okay. And of course, that's uh, Jew. Of course, people know the book of Jew. Okay. All right. It says verse number seven. And she brought forth her firstborn son wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid him where? Okay. So where was Jesus born? And a manger. Okay. Because there was what? All right. So it wasn't that he didn't have the money. They had the money because they came up to pay what? Taxes. So they obviously had money. They had income or they wouldn't travel to pay taxes. Poor people don't pay taxes. Somebody say how they do it. Yeah, poor people don't pay tax. So they weren't poor. They had to have some money. So we went to pay. So he was looking for a hotel. He wanted to buy a hotel, you know, find, you know, find a room. There was no room. So he had to settle for what was available because it was a busy time. And then they were born. Of course, Jesus was born in the manger. Verse number eight. And there were in the same country. Everybody say, here comes the shepherds. All right. So again, this is a reminder of the real meaning. of, And then understanding the facts. The shepherds saw Jesus in the manger. The wise men saw the child in the house. He came to save us all from our sin. Okay. But here's the, the beautiful thing. It says, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of God, glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is what? Christ the Lord. And this shall you be a sign for you. You shall find the what? All right. So who found the baby? The shepherds. Okay. Wrapped in what? Swaddling clothes, lying where? The shepherd saw the baby Jesus. And that's where we get verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host doing what? Praising God. So this is what you got to get. Okay. So when they came to see the baby, there was also a what? Heavenly host. Why would the angels in heaven be worshiping a baby? Because he was the son of God. <laughs> well, how would the angels know? Because this was the plan of God. And the angels know the plan of God. Because they are the messengers who carry out God's assignment in the earth. So they had to be on the same page and be involved in God's manifestation to bring salvation in the earth without letting the devil know where he was. Somebody say hallelujah. Because he's going to crush Satan's head. This was the prophecy after Adam fell. 
It was prophesied. You're going to bruise his heel, but Jesus Christ is going to crush your head. Hallelujah. And this was the beginning of the crushing. First had to be born. Then he had to be filled with the spirit. Then he had to live for God. Then he had to go to church and worship and be filled. And then he had to live sinless for 33 and a half years. Then he had to teach the disciples so when he died, they would carry out the assignment. Then he had to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Then he had to die, of course, die on the cross, then get them filled, resurrected, go to heaven, teach them for 40 days and nights, then go to heaven and then tell them, now don't you go anywhere until you get filled. Somebody say hallelujah. What is this whole assignment? To save the world. And here's what he said in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace, goodwill toward what? Toward me. You can close your Bibles. We're done. Amen. Everybody say that's the real meaning of Christmas. Amen. Jesus died to save us from our sins. Bow your heads. We're going to pray. Father, thank you for the word of God today. Thank you for the meaning of who you are in our lives, for your love. For all your goodness and all your grace. Thank you, Father, for your wisdom. Thank you for sending your only begotten Son to die on our behalf. We receive the gift of salvation, the free gift for health, healing, and wholeness in the name of Jesus. Let the church say amen and amen. And just so we understand. Now, remember, he died to give us salvation. Salvation is not just heaven. Heaven is a destination. Salvation is total. The Greek word is sozo. You really got, if you look at that word, it's all inclusive. It's spirit, soul, and body, not just my spirit going to heaven. It's my life on the earth. It's my prosperity. It's my health and wholeness. It's, it's like the word shalom. They're all inclusive words. So God doesn't just want you to go to heaven. He wants you to enjoy salvation while you're here on the earth. So if you're not born again, if you have not received the free gift, or if you need encouragement, maybe you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want to pray for you today. You can receive this baptism in the name of Jesus. If you're not born again, I want you to come today to receive him as your Lord and Savior. If you need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in other tongues, or maybe you need, uh, you know, to receive uh, encouragement. You, you're going through a situation. You need prayer. So, Pastor, I want to touch and agree. We're here to help you today because of the love of God. If you need prayer, I want you to come forward. And let's celebrate the real meaning of Christmas. Why Jesus came, why he died for you, why he loved you so much without any condemnation. This is the reason God loves you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's teaching. We know that faith comes by hearing God's word. After that, faith must be acted on. Be sure to apply what you've heard on today and put that faith into operation. Be sure to join us on another episode of Partners of Promise with Pastor Dorsey. And of course, we would love to see you at Revival Fellowship Church, located in Newcastle, Delaware. Want to meet us? Be sure to visit us at 3071 Newcastle Avenue, located in Newcastle, Delaware, zip code 19720. Until then, walk by faith and not by sight.